All right. I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll look into God's Word. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this community, and thank you for your words. Um, the journey that we've been on, uh, that you're with us um, through the challenges, through the beauty. Uh, just speak to us today through your word and through the, the concepts of, of Jesus Christ and um, the New Testament. And just bless my words as I kind of share what's been on my heart. It's your name we pray. Amen. Um, as Sadie mentioned, I am, I might do the, the sit on the stool thing. Is that cool? feel comfortable. Um, I am the, and have been the director for Young Life, and Young Life is faith mentoring. Here in Bloomington, we have a lot of college students uh, that we train and develop. We have a college community that turns into, we we train them to become leaders, uh, faith mentors for high school and middle school students uh, in Monroe County, but also some in Greene County and Brown County over the last 20 years. And uh, it's been a beautiful thing. I do have a picture. John's got the picture up there. This is our Christmas party of our Young Life leaders just a couple weeks ago. And um, I want to just share a little bit of the journey that I've been on working with young adults, college students, uh, in particular high school students, for a long time. So it's been, like I said, 20 years. I've been, I was volunteer with Young Life before that. So I've been a Young Life leader uh, for about 25 years now, which is a, so that is a quarter century, y'all. That is like, you start hearing this thing, this, you start feeling really old. Um, for, for the last 25 years, what I've, what I've seen and what I think living in a college town, you know, is that a lot of people, a lot of kids grow up in a church community, in a Christian community, and then they go to college, and then there is a potential uh, to really reset their life. And for a lot of folks, they disconnect with the faith that they grew up with, um, at least perhaps just for the time, just for the time of college. Uh, and working with kids on campus, I see that it, there's a lot of factors that play into this. Who they're around. Are there easy opportunities for churches? I always tell pastors, like, kids in this, uh, on campus, need a church they can walk to. None of these people have cars. There's a lot of great churches in Bloomington, but a lot of them they can't get to on foot. And so there's a, historically there's been a thing where a lot of young people, they disconnect from their faith when they move away, move off to college. Uh, and that's been normal. That's probably, you know, it feels like that's been happening for the last few decades. But in the last few years, we've seen like this second wave of of people who were really growing in their faith with Jesus in college, that when they hit their uh, mid-20s or they move away from college, they move away from their communities of faith, um, maybe as as involved as like young life leaders, uh, maybe they were accountable to growing in Christ in those situations in college, they move off and they've drifted away from their faith in that later section of life. And there's a phenomenon that's been happening. There's a lot of um, kind of research that's going on about young people, uh, mostly younger than me, who have been in our culture, like in America, it's not necessarily a worldwide phenomenon, but have been drifting away from their faith, uh, particularly in their later, you know, not as teenagers, but more in, into their 20s and 30s. And uh, this has been really 
difficult, kind of troubling. At first, it's like, I didn't realize this was happening. And then you start seeing that this, it's not just a Bloomington thing. It's, it's kind of a, uh, an American phenomenon, maybe a Western phenomenon. And, uh, and it's been a little puzzling. But as I've been reading scriptures since becoming more aware of this, I've been, uh, this might be hard to read, but, you know, some scriptures have popped up that I didn't really notice as strongly before. Um, and this one in Hebrews uses the word drift. So it's Hebrews 2.1. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. And it helped me realize that, okay, in the first few decades after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when people didn't have a New Testament Bible in their hand, and there was the disciples had gone out to these communities and were communicating what they knew and had seen from Jesus in his life and his death and his resurrection, his teachings, as that's kind of being collaborated, that the people were drifting away from that initial experience of the gospel, that initial growth of knowing who Jesus is. And so that, that word drift, I've, I've, that's kind of held on to that. And, and I've been curious, like, what are the things that people are drifting away for? And what does the Bible say? Uh, what did the New Testament say would cause people to drift? What were the harmful ideas, the harmful teachings that even in those first decades of followers of Jesus after his life, death, and resurrection. So we're talking, if you're talking about years, we're talking about the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s BC, not like the 1940s. I'm talking about like the 0040s. In that time, what was it that the followers of Jesus were saying, hey, this is what to look out for. This is what dangerous and harmful teaching is out there that might cause you to drift from what we've told you about Jesus Christ. And so here's what I did over the last couple months. Oh, uh, I have, this was my method. So it all started with a Google search, as all great things do. Uh, So I Google searched something along the lines of what the New Testament says about false teaching. And uh, I don't know, have you ever Google searched verses about blank? Uh, And, you know, oftentimes somebody has done this already, and they've compiled 25 verses that talk about uh, anxiety or, you know, what the Bible says about money or whatever. And it's a great place to start, but it's also oftentimes they're really shallow. John 3.16 is always on all of these lists whether it's relevant or not. And so we, I, I started from there, and then what I did was like, okay, that's a good place to kind of get a summary of just all these different verses that are out there that talk about teaching to look out for. And then I read each whole chapter that included all the ones on the Google search. So I could really list, get a better understanding of the context. Is this, a lot of times these are taken out of context when you just see them on these lists. And then I took notes for each description that were related to the kinds of false teaching. So I had this, you know, this uh, Word document. I'm kind of looking up um, this, and writing down the specific things that the New Testament is saying, look out for this behavior. Look out for this particular kind of teaching. Uh, and then when the description came down to like a key word where it's like everything depends on what this particular word means, 
I would use this thing called the Blue Letter Bible. And has anybody ever heard of the Blue Letter Bible? Oh, I'm going to, okay. You're going to learn something today. Uh, it looks like this. It's a free app on your phone. And uh, I have had, you know, I, I take classes sometimes with Young Life, but I've never learned a, a, a Hebrew or Greek. Matt has a lot of people that go to a seminary, will learn one of the original languages of Scripture. Uh, I never have. But what the Blue Letter Bible does <clears throat> is it will, it's, a, it's a Bible, but you can click on individual words and it will show you this word in Greek. It'll, you know, it'll show the Greek letters and it will give you a definition. It'll also show you here's where this word, here's where else this word is used. And so you can look at the context for those other parts of Scripture. Uh, and so it can really help understand like what a particular word means. So anyway, all of that, uh, then I made tally marks. So of the different behaviors or concepts or specific teachings that were mentioned in the New Testament, I would make a tally mark if it was mentioned more than once, because a lot of them are really repeated several times. Uh, and so I kind of compiled uh, from these texts, this is, I re realize this is not a small thing in the New Testament. That it wasn't just one book of the New Testament said, hey, watch out, there will be false ideas, there'll be false teaching, false teachers out there. Uh, in fact, it's all of this, the whole book of Jude, it's only one chapter, but the whole book of Jude is really addressing false teaching. Uh, the whole chapter of 2 Peter 2 is addressing false teaching and false teachers. That's only one page. Lots of the book of Timothy. Uh, and then the bottom, you'll see that Matthew 7 is from the words of Jesus. Both Matthew 24 and Mark 13 are pretty much the same verbatim. Jesus saying the same thing in, in Mark and in, and in uh, Matthew. And then Revelation chapter 3, Jesus has specific um, critiques for the followers of Jesus in the early churches in uh, Asia Minor. And so, if you want a drum roll, you can, but you don't have to. Uh, so this is, when I co compiled it, especially with tallies, like, again, I'm looking for what is the New Testament saying, hey, we should watch out for. The New Testament is saying these are ideas that are harmful that will cause people to drift away. Uh, what were the things that the New Testament was saying to watch out for? So this is my sort of scientific top seven bad teachings or practices the New Testament warns us to watch out for. Drum roll, not necessary. Here we go. Uh, number one is sexual immorality. So ten different mentions. Sometimes the Bible would use a word uh, adultery, which is kind of a catch-all uh, it also would use the word porneia, which is where we get the word pornography. And uh, they're catch-all words of the out-of-bounds sexual activity that goes against uh, the way Scripture describes sex and marriage to be. And so there's a lot of ways to go out-of-bounds, and the, the words porneia and adultery aren't specific to one different kind, but they're kind of catch-all words for all the different ways that sexual activity can go out-of-bounds. Um, it, uh, 
ways that are, that are harmful, some ways that, that people around here would think, oh, that's a terrible idea, and other things that in our culture are quite permissible. But sexual immorality was the first and was the most often thing that I saw was saying the New Testament saying, watch out for bad teaching, harmful ideas. This is the top, one of, you know, the most often mentioned thing. The second one kind of goes along with it, which is this idea of living for the flesh. And um, I've been reading some really good stuff about what the New Testament says about the flesh. And this idea of the flesh can be described as it's our, our, let's see, I, I think I wrote something here. It's a way to describe our appetites. You could even say our animal appetites, um, are, which are normal. We have an appetite. I have an appetite for those donut holes in the back, right? They're delicious. I'm wired to want that sweet, kind of flaky, crusty goodness that's in the back on those donut holes. Uh, our appetite, it could be for food, it could be for sex, it could be for comfort, it could be for power. Those, those things that we have that are normal, but if those desires become the most important thing, it leads to harm. Harming other people, harming yourself, harming uh, children harming society. And so this idea of the flesh, we're going to have, our, our, our bodies are going to have their desires, which aren't bad. But if they aren't put in their proper place, if we all, and you could just think of food as, a, as an example, if you always ate all that your body was interested in all the time, you know, we know that wouldn't be good for your body, nor probably for your family. So so the second thing it mentioned the most often was living for the flesh. The third was disobedience to Jesus' commands. So being watching out for an, a spirit of disobedience, of, dri- of um, not acknowledging what we have, what the, the, um, the early leaders of the church were saying, you need to follow this, you need to trust this, God's word, the commands of Jesus. Uh, the, the fourth, and this is, I think, become is a, is a sticking point for a lot of young people, is teaching motivated for personal gain. To watch out for a teaching and a preaching that is financially motivated. Or, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, the scandals that we've probably come aware of within church or within ministry, uh, where there was money that was improperly gained, or it was relationship, or power, um, or it could be something, you know, an affair that was a motivation and power struggle that was part of this preaching. So watch out for that. Um, denying Jesus as Christ. Uh, the, the letters of John are real specific that the focus of how do you know what is true and what is good and what is God is that it is about Jesus and that Jesus is the center. And so denying Jesus as Christ was something that over and over again it was mentioned. Um, factions, a spirit that would take a body of believers and try to split them uh, into different groups, maybe following certain people or maybe following certain ideas. Uh, and then there's, there's, there, these aren't the only things that were mentioned, but these are the things that were mentioned the most often. So just as an example of kind of other bizarre teachings, it mentions a couple times these ideas of myths, which 
I'm not sure we even really know what they were. The people at the time knew what myths they were talking about. Fruitless discussions, so preaching and teaching about really things that don't seem to matter that much. And then also, and this is a good thing to kind of wrap this up on in 2023, is this idea of people wanting to be taught what they want to hear. And in our consumerist society, that's built on giving you what you want. Burger King, you know, your way, right away. And as Americans, we come to, to, we're used to that. And we can all kind of look at how the, in America, the church uh, dynamic is a lot of, there's all sorts of different choices. And you just choose the one that, that you like the most, that tells you what you want to hear. And then if that's not enough, podcasts, right? You don't even have to have a church community to support you uh, to listen to a podcast. Anyone can have a podcast and say things, and then people can listen to whatever they want to hear. And so these were the, the top seven. Um, and I always, I don't want you to just trust what I'm saying. Uh, just a little bit of a, a sneak peek here at First Peter 2, or sorry, Second Peter 2. Um, a couple little mentions that it had. Uh, and this is, a, I want to show you kind of how I was, how I was looking at this. But Second Peter 2, again, this whole chapter is about false teachings, what to look out for. Uh, and an acknowledgement that these false teachers, that God knows what they're doing, and uh, God will hold them accountable for what they're teaching. So 2 Peter 2, but false prophets will also appear among the people, just as there will be false prophets, or false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment is from long ago, is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So Peter's saying that there will be, and he's referring to in the Old Testament, there were false prophets. And he's saying it's the same concept. There's going to be false teaching that's going to spread in among the followers of Jesus, and here's some things to look out for. I kind of highlighted them. Uh, they would even deny the master who bought them. And that's like, for me, that's up tally mark for denying Jesus Christ. Uh, many will follow their indecent behavior, tally mark, living for the flesh. Uh, in their greed, they will exploit with false words, tally mark, for teaching motivated by personal gain. So this is kind of what I did uh, later on in Second Peter. Uh, having eyes full of adultery. These are, again, describing this false teaching. Eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls. Having hearts trained in greed. Accursed children abandoned the right way. They have gone astray. So eyes full of adultery. Check mark for sexual immorality. That never cease from sin. Enticing unstable souls. Having hearts trained in greed. Check motivated for personal gain, abandoning the right way, check for disobedience to Christ. So this is kind of how I was, I was looking through things. Um, and then the last part here in Second Peter, you can read the whole chapter on your own. It's a good, good chapter. Uh, challenging chapter. It's probably not the one that is taught on all, all the time uh, to the, in the downstairs in the kids' room, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, so for, for while speaking out arrogant words of no value, 
They entice by fleshly desires, by indecent behavior, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves for, of corruption. For by what anyone is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Um, and if I can go back to what the Bible says about the flesh. When we let our desires become what drives us, it becomes our master. And so he's acknowledging that when we put our flesh or our greed or whatever, or our appetites as the most important thing that drives our decision-making, we actually become a slave to those desires and not, uh, really not even autonomous to do what we want to do. We are driven by those desires. So, I tally marked here for the, the speaking out arrogance words uh, as bizarre teaching, enticed by fleshly desires to live for the flesh. Uh, all this to say, um, I'll get to this map in a second. I'm actually going to go back. Can you go back? I'm just kidding. Uh, the, going to the top, to the top seven. Um, when I look about my friends that I know who have drifted away from their faith, I realize oh, this is really why they've drifted away from their faith. Uh, for a lot of young people, especially when they get disconnected with church community, disconnected from really trusting in God's word, the desire for sex, the desire to follow the flesh is really popular in our culture right now. Not every culture. A lot of cultures think this is a really bad idea. But in our culture right now, I think that's driving a lot of people, and it's causing them to drift away from their faith. Uh, the things that we, we've, some of us maybe have paid more attention or less about the scandals about motivation for personal gain. I know that's very uh, significant for a lot of young people. They see and hear that, oh, this was about greed, or this was about lust, this particular church, or this particular pastor. Um, and that's driven a lot of them away from faith. And so, for me, there was something really encouraging of seeing that, oh, all these years ago, thousands of years ago, there's a similar challenge that was happening to the earliest followers of Jesus. They were, had the potential to drift away from their faith for the same reasons that 20-somethings and 30-somethings are drifting away from their faith now. Uh, and so, that goes back to this the story I want to tell. Um, I, early in my time in Bloomington, I went to a basketball game. I have a lot of history playing basketball, and I coached basketball for several years back when I was in Ohio. I did grow up in Columbus, uh, and I was going to, if you, if you know how the sectional basketball tournaments work, here in Bloomington, is that one school hosts the whole tournament, and the tournament maybe have six or eight teams that are kind of sort of local, but it's always at one school. So no matter who's playing who, during the sectional tournament, they're going to play at one school. And it happened to be Columbus North was hosting the tournament, and Columbus is over here on uh, the map. Uh, but the game, the, the championship game was North, Bloomington North against Bloomington South. And so what happens when this happens, Bloomington North plays Bloomington South, and the drive to Columbus North is probably about 50 minutes away. And so, um, and I was at the North-South game on Friday. I mean, there's a couple thousand people there. 
uh, high level of high school basketball. Very exciting, lots of kids, lots of families. Uh, and so in this particular case, thousands of people are driving from Bloomington to Columbus to, for this game. And the game happened, I think South won, it was a close one. And, uh, and I ran into a friend of mine, who, a very wise Bloomingtonian, um, who a lot of you probably know, just godly, knows people, knows his stuff. And, uh, and I saw him after the game, I was saying, hey, you know, good game, good to, you know, good to see you. And before it was time for, to, to leave, he very cautiously, and um, in a way that really stuck out, he said to me, be really careful driving home. And I thought, I don't normally say that to people that are friends of mine, like, be really careful driving home. Um, but I, I, I was like, okay, well, I didn't really think much of it, whatever. And then I get in the car, and I realize why he said that. If you've ever been in a scenario, and I think he had, where thousands of people from Bloomington are in Columbus, and they're all leaving at the same time at night, driving on 46 through Brown County, it's a little crazy. Everyone's driving really fast, and it's a line of cars, right? Everyone left Columbus North at the same time, but every so often there's a car from Brown County that's trying to get somewhere, and they might turn suddenly, and, and, and it's just, it was a really stressful, you know, 9, 10 o'clock at night on a Friday uh, in the dark, in the winter, on these on, on 46. And I was like, oh, he knows. Ron Remack knows what is going on driving from Columbus to Bloomington. And so that's my illustration about why I wanted to share this, uh, is that the encouragement is that when we have, um, that we should pay attention to what the New Testament says. The New Testament says, hey, here are things to watch out for so that you don't drift away from your faith, so that young people don't drift away from their faith. And for the, some of the um, conviction for me is I want to be talking about this with our college students, with our high school students, so that they're aware, like Ron Remack was helping me be aware of the danger that's out there on 46 at night with, a, with heavy traffic, the New Testament says, hey, these are things to watch out for. A couple thousand years ago, they trip people up. I think they're tripping up people now, um, especially in the 21st century marketplace of ideas, which is a lot about, you know, tell me what I want to hear. And then the other thing is that it was really encouraging for me to just see that Scripture has answers uh, for, the, for new problems. You know, kind of real, part of me was feeling like, gosh, this feels like something new that's happening that 20-somethings uh, are drifting away from their faith. And then you look at Scripture and it's like, oh, the, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. This isn't, there's some nuance that seems that's recent or new, but in, it, there's also something about it that's not. That these are challenges that have happened a long, long time ago. So that's my encouragement to Exodus Church today. Uh, I'm going to offer a prayer and then I think we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Is that, am I right? Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for 
it's, uh, it's really good. And thank you for the ways that it tells us what to watch out for. Lord, help us to not deny you as our master, as our Lord, as our Christ. Uh, help us to see and notice um, when, um, when we are, have a spirit of disobedience. Uh, help us to look out for, um, in our own lives, just desiring to follow the flesh instead of the spirit, instead of what is truly good and best. Uh, help us to stay in bounds. Help us to trust that what your word has to say about, uh, about life is true wisdom, that you've been here before, even if it's our, you know, it's our first time living this life. Um, Help us to not just want to hear what we want to hear. Help us to be willing to come before you and to come before your word and be, be challenged um, by what it says. Bless this community. Help us to be a community that you are deeply active in, in our hearts uh, individually and collectively, that we would be uh, a powerful group of men and women and children uh, that are growing in the knowledge and love of you. In your name we pray. Amen.